Welcome to the Checkered to Green podcast with your hosts, David Maudie and Elliot Tardiff. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, whenever and wherever you're listening to this, this is from Checkered to Green, the podcast. All about racing as told by three lifelong race fans and from time to time talking about the business aspects of racing, the green it takes to take the green. Welcome everyone to episode 13. I am David Maudie alongside are my colleagues Elliot Tardiff and Ryan Kolpak. Gentlemen, good evening. Yeah, good evening. I gotta tell you, in here in Buffalo, New York, we've been a touch spoiled by the weather. Wednesday and Thursday, bright and sunny, 71 degrees. In March, you'll hear no complaints out of me. Hope you guys have fared as well. Good evening, everybody. This is Elliot. Uh, it's We've actually uh, uh, had to sw- start switching over to uh, the AC today uh, down here in uh, the Raleigh area, North Carolina. Um, had highs get up in the 80s today here. Wow. Yep. Awesome. Uh, yeah, wow. it's going to reset a little bit over the weekend into, into next week, but uh, um, definitely been nice enjoying uh, sunny days and uh, temperatures up in the 60s and 70s. Um, it's been good to dry things out a little bit here um, and uh, at the same time uh, enjoy a little bit of sunny weather after a long, long stretch of uh, you know really depressing weather for a while. I know it's been nice here up in um, central New York, Syracuse area. Actually, it's been nice. I've been, you know, I'm still working from home and I've been able to open up the window in my office, get, get some fresh air and I, it's into some spring cleaning coming on this weekend. I'll, I'll put it that way, but gentlemen, I, I know, um, we, we were off last week and so we, yeah, it's okay. No problem. We're not here to point fingers. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we're going to try to do a weekly podcast, but sometimes we may have to take a break here and there, but we, we appreciate everyone listening to it. And tonight we have a great episode. We had two weekends of, of racing that, that happened Homestead Vegas We've got a great spotlight segment tonight talking about some F1 and some financial issues that came up. And we've got a great preview in our green segment with Phoenix and NHRA coming back. So checkered flag segment here. Elliot, take us away with some cup action. Yes, sir. Uh, So starting off the, uh, the cup series, uh, finished their extensive stay in Florida with a 400 miler at Homestead Miami Speedway. William Byron dominated uh, much of the race and especially uh, the last couple of stages, winning stage two and winning stage three and the race going away um, over um, a hard charging Tyler Reddick, Martin Truex Jr., Kyle Larson, and Kevin Harvick who rounded out the top five. Michael McDowell's dream season continued with a sixth place finish. Alex Bowman put the 48 car in the top 10 with a ninth place finish. Um, Kyle Busch rounded out the top 10. Uh, Some other notables, uh, Chase Elliott finishing 14th. Um, Christopher Bell finishing 20th. Ryan Priest finishing 21st. Matt DiBenedetto's tough season continuing with a 28th place finish. And Eric Almarola finishing 30th, a tough day for him as well. Um, in addition, uh, the Xfinity Series um, raced at Homestead as well. Myatt Snyder winning the race, but perhaps the bigger story was Noah Gregson, uh, who was walking away with the race late, um, had a, a huge lead and a car in front of him, David Starr, uh, the number 13 car, for motorsports business management racing, Carl Long's team uh, ran into some trouble uh, immediately in front of the nine car of Gregson. He had nowhere to go and uh, ran into the back of him and uh, damaged his car to the point where he could not continue. 
And so he was two or three laps away from uh, winning at Homestead and uh, in convincing fashion and hoping to put the demons of last year to bed, um, having dominant cars in both Homestead races last year. Uh, but that did not happen. Uh, so um, Gregson was uh, um, uh, very critical of the 13 car and driver David Starr in the uh, post-race interview. Uh, that led to some comments from uh, car owner Carl Long during the week. And uh, as you might imagine, there were some uh, battle lines drawn on social media and in other racing podcasts about uh, who was at fault and who was handling it well and who was not. Um, so uh, that was uh, very much uh, a story for a little while. Um, once, uh, once everybody went to, uh, to Vegas for the following race, that uh, storylines uh, kind of seemed to, to go away. Um, but getting into Vegas, um, it was a, um, uh, the completion of a comeback story for Kyle Larson suspended and fired from his race team last year following uh, the utterance of a racial slur on an online racing event. Larson stepped away, enrolled in the sensitivity training, and made amends by all indications for what he had done, uh, was given an opportunity to come back in the 2021 season with Hendrick Motorsports and his famed five car. And uh, He's, he showed some good speed for the first part of the year. Um, and Hendrick in, in general has shown some really, really impressive speed. Case in point, Byron's win at Homestead um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, but this past weekend in Vegas, it was Kyle Larson's turn. Um, and he won in convincing fashion, again, winning stage two, and then winning stage three going away. Uh, Brad Keselowski finished runner-up this time. Kyle Busch finished third. Denny Hamlin finished fourth, a solid day for the Gibbs guys, uh, with Truex and Bell finishing sixth and seventh, respectively. Um, Ryan Blaney finishing out the top five. William Byron uh, backing up his win at Homestead with a solid eighth place finish. Um, this week, Joey Logano ninth and Eric Jones putting the famed 43 car for Richard Petty Motorsports in the top 10 for the first time this year. Um, other notables, uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., 11th, Chase Elliott, uh, 13th, Ryan Priest uh, finishing a workman like 15th, Matt Benedetto uh, had a fast car and a promising run going, um, but had a problem with an air gun uh, late in the race uh, on a late pit stop and had to uh, nurse it home over the uh, last 90 laps with the same left front tire on it uh, on a tire and a racetrack that was not exactly the most friendly to tires. Um, and given DiBenedetto's uh, uh, problematic history with uh, tires coming apart on him this year, uh, that was, um, he was uh, very careful to bring the car home in one piece, which he did, he finished 16th, um, but at the expense of uh, not showing, not being able to show the speed that the car had all day. Uh, Michael McDowell finished 17th. Kevin Harvick, uh, an uncharacteristically uh, lackluster day, finishing 20th. Uh, Ross Chastain finishing 23rd. Um, and Alex Bowman having a problem late, finishing 27th. Bubba Wallace finishing in 28th. Gentlemen, your thoughts on the last couple of weeks of racing? I'll start here and I got to say, I'll, I'll start with Homestead. And when we were talking about Homestead, you know, we were talking about the single line get, get strung out and that's what it was, but it was actually really good racing. Um, the Xfinity race was good. The, the cup race was good. I mean, good job to William Byron winning that. It's, um, I, I think there's a, a resurgence in Hendrick that you're starting to see, but very exciting racing there. And I just, I mean, I, the, I, I got to comment on the Gregson um, incident and the Gregson star crash. There, there's just no way he was going to avoid that. I mean, star had tire going down. 
I mean, if he even was on the bottom of the track, I mean, he was going to go up anyway. I mean, when, when you have a tire go down, you're, you're just at the mercy of that. So I think, I think Greg said, I listened to the Dale Jr. download. He talked about it and I, Dale Jr. kind of was a little um, miffed about uh, how Gregson reacted. I I think I, I got a sense. He just was like, listen, you got to understand the team that, that, you know, this happened to, and he knows Carl Long. And I think he just wasn't too pleased on how Gregson handled it. And he wanted to, and I think he just kind of wants them to, Hey, air out your differences. And when he was talking about that and Vegas, I liked, I, um, these cookie cutter tracks sometimes can be, over the past few years haven't produced the best racing but Vegas was actually exciting this year I I like how they've gone to get going three four trying to go five wide um at Vegas uh Larson um I wasn't sure how people were going to react to it and I I give a lot of kudos to what happened afterwards in victory lane and that was Bubba Wallace coming up to him shaking his hand congratulating him I think that just brought closure to what happened over the past year um but great racing very exciting um I don't know what's going on with D. Benedetto's team this year um there's they're just not not in it um he's racked up um 38 points in four races um struggling um you know mcdowell's doing well this year i i i'm glad to see that team is taking off but i here's why i'm going back to about you're starting to see the resurgence of hendrick two weeks in a row They've won the races. They're going to a track where Chase Elliott won coming up. Um, you know, a tra- you know, this stretch you normally see like a Penske dominate or or the Stuart Haas. I, I think Hendrick's gonna be a, a a force this year. You know, just my thoughts on that. Ryan, your takeaway. Well, you got to hand it to Larson first, putting in such a convincing win at Vegas. And he put himself into an interesting statistic. He is the fourth different winner in the Cup Series in the last four races. Honestly, I kind of thought we would be seeing, you know, some more of the veteran drivers asserting themselves in the top fives and getting the wins. But, you know, seeing the victory spread out across different drivers, I think that's making this a bit of more of an exciting season. Uh, I really hope that's the kind of trend that continues. Indeed, this is um, turning into a wide open season um, for not only the playoffs, uh, you're seeing a lot of teams, um, at least you're you're seeing some teams um, getting in now that might've been a little bit of a surprise. Um, And you've got other teams that, typically get into the playoffs by consistent finishes, consistent solid finishes that may not be able to do that this year. Um, And so it's changing the dynamic of how uh, some of these folks race and what they're going to have to do to get into the playoffs. They're going to have to win. Um, that, That seems to be the tone that's being set thus far this year. Because when you think about who all has won this year and who, who has not won, Chase Elliott hasn't won yet. Kyle Busch hasn't won yet. Um, you know, both of which have fast cars. We know Chase Elliott, you know, in, in Hendrick Motorsports Equipment, he's not long for, for victory lane himself. We also know Kyle Busch is making a comeback with his new crew chief, Ben Bishore. Um, and he looked solid um, at Vegas, you know, not a race winning car, but put it in, in a good position and 
it probably won't be long before they get their program figured out and they're in victory lane again. So you got those two. Truex is probably not far away. You know, Penske's probably not uh, far away from any one of their teams getting a race win as well. And then, uh, you know, you have dark horse candidates on uh, some of the other road course races and the, the, uh, the plate tracks too. So this is going to be a wide open year and it's going to be, it's going to require a win to get into the playoffs comfortably. I, I, I agree with that. Um, but touching one uh, on one more thing we talked about here, and this was with the, uh, uh, the Gregson uh, deal. Um, we need to remember too, that uh, David Starr did not intentionally put himself in a position to where he was going to wreck the leader. We need to remember that um, Starr was not a lapped car. He was actually having a really solid night. He was running, I think, in the 12th position. Uh, he was the last car in the lead lap. It was a couple laps from the end. Um, and, you know, as we have seen, you know, things can, can happen towards the end of a race. So if you can stay on that lead lap, then, you know, that's, that's a critical thing. And especially um, in a position... He, uh, you, at that point, you don't even necessarily want to be the free pass car, right? Because the free pass car starts at the tail end of the longest line. You're on the lead lap again, but in the case of Homestead, where you had at that point, 12, 13 cars left on the lead lap, you've got how many lap cars to get through before you get to anybody for position and you're in overtime. So, um, so there was that as well. Um, and you know, that, uh, you know, Carl Long's team, you know, they're, um, you know, another one of these teams that are trying to do more with less every single week. So, um, I thought it was very unfortunate what, uh, what happened there. Um, and yeah, there was, you know, some people that, uh, didn't take kindly to what, uh, Gregson said, and, um, it might be interesting to see how that plays out the rest of the year. Um, but, I don't foresee this turning into anything on the racetrack, at least not yet. We'll see. But, um, but with that said, I think the, uh, the checkers are down and we're going to uh, take it back in the garage, put it on the hauler and get it ready for the next week. Uh, for now, we're going to go ahead and uh, go to break. And Ryan's going to tell you all about our social media. This is from checker to green. We'll be right back with the From Checker to Green podcast. Are you enjoying what you're hearing? Join the conversation. Join our group on Facebook, From Checker to Green podcast, and also on Twitter. There a particular segment you enjoy? Tell us. Any topic you'd like us to cover? Let us know. Your feedback helps drive this show and make it what it is. And if you're enjoying this episode, feel free to listen to the rest of our episodes. You can find them on podcasts.com and on Apple Podcasts. We look forward to having you listen and chat with us soon. And now, back to the From Checker to Green podcast. Thank you, Ryan, and welcome back, race fans. We have a really good spotlight segment tonight, and it's dealing with Formula One. And we had some almost shattering news come out this um, past week, actually a couple weeks ago on February 26th, it was reported by Chris Medlin, who's the Formula One reporter for Racer.com, and we're getting a, we probably just got a good glimpse, just like what we've heard with like how, if you're a football fan as well, the NFL how COVID impacted the salary cap this year. We're getting our first glimpse of how COVID affected the racing business, the the auto racing and motorsports. And it was Chris Medlin titled this article, Formula One loses nearly 400 million in COVID hit in 2020. And 
some of the points he brought out to this, it was their financial statement, Liberty uh, Media filed with the Securities Exchange Commission, files their quarterly reports, their financial statements. Um, if you're a company, you know, publicly traded, you, you do have to do this. You, you do have to file, you know, your financial statements company-wise with the SEC. Um, if you're publicly traded, um, you can actually see these financial statements. A uh, normal user can, but out of this, they said um, a couple points that I took out of this was what caused this loss in money was one, they had a 17 race schedule. Well, out of that, though, 17 races were closed doors behind the pandemic. And because it was closed doors, it had an impact on race hosting fees, broadcast deals, sponsorships, the Paddock Club. They couldn't get gas. They didn't have fans. So there's money lost there already. The only thing they, they were able to, which kind of saved them a little bit, was that their pricing revenues, their, their race um, promotion fees, the broadcast fees, the advertisement, the sponsor fees did increase. And I think that's because more people, you know, people are, are at home. They're not going to the events they're watching on TV. But one of the interesting things I saw was that it was reported in the fourth quarter in full year earnings released by Liberty uh, Media when they released this the, um, uh, the Friday before uh, the second to last Friday in February. They said their revenues were shown being hit by 43% drop. So it went from point from 2.002 million in 2019. I think that's billion. Do you see uh, something where it said billion? Yes. Uh, okay. Hang on just a minute. Uh, All right, I'm looking at the article now, Dave. It states yeah. that the revenues dropped from 1.021 million in 2019 to 711 million yes. last year so the math alone yes that is yeah you know in essence they lost money um you know part of it is maybe related to this concord agreement we know that there's a salary cap coming um we know that had a, an effect on it and looking at auto week uh joe sauer uh saw I also had a talk about this. Yeah, billion. This confirms billion. But yeah, it was a it was 2.02 billion in 2019, 1.145 billion. So my apologies. But um yeah, they just I mean looking at the the money drop and, and how it's gonna affect teams. Let's get into talk with that. Let's you know, let's start talking about the effects of this. Well, I think the majority of the impact, um, and because when you look at the numbers, mm -hmm. they say that, um, okay, so it was 2.02 billion in revenue yes. uh, in 2019 and 1.45 billion in 2020. In 2019, they had a, um, an overall profit of $17 million, so a small profit. Mm -hmm. um, and then a $386 million loss in 2020, pretty sizable. But within that, there is, um, and within that 43% drop in revenue, there's also um, a shrinking in overhead as well, right? Um, yeah. Because you're going from, okay, um, You've got a, an overall profit of $17 million in 2019, which means that uh, their total expenses were sitting pretty much right at $2 billion, right? Mm -hmm. um, and you have a $386 million loss on $1.145 billion in 2020. That means that their, uh, their total expenses were about $1.5 or $1.6, right? Depending on the, the exact math. But still, yeah. the point is, is that um, they were 
able to um, kind of shrink um, their expenses to a point where, you know, yeah, it's a, it's a huge loss, um, but, you know, it certainly could have been much, much worse. Well, one of the things here, according to this article in Auto Week, and this might shed some light on what what helped, was um, they there was a but the budget cap was reduced to one hundred and forty five million, and that engine freeze. Mm-hmm. So remember, we you know when COVID started, they started you know we we knew Formula One was doing the engine freeze. Um, uh, what they what they did find, and this this is from the Auto Week article, and I quote: um, "The SEC figures show one odd anomaly with the team payments for the year being listed at seven hundred eleven million, compared to one point oh one billion in twenty nineteen. Well, that's a reduction of thirty percent." Um. You have to remember, they took the team payments were actually in forms of loans in the early year. That's right. that's what they were saying. So I think that's what helped reduce it mm-hmm. was that they actually um, reduced their their loans, uh, or they did a loan and and it allowed it to reduce payments, um, and. The SEC filing does include the fact, and this is in quotes from this article on Auto Week, that team payments in 2020 include one-time fees paid to teams upon signing the 2021 Concord Agreement, which is going to be huge coming up. Um, We can get into that in a little bit. But I, I think that answers some of your your the question there, Elliot, about how they were reducing it. Indeed, um, but one thing that's that's notable from last year, and it'll be interesting to see how that how it plays out this year. Um, and I'm looking at um, another article on the subject. Uh, this one by Georgina Yeomans at Sports Pro Media, um, and. Uh, in this article, they talk about um, some other aspects of the revenue drop and where some of that came from. Uh, race promotion fees was a big part of it. Um, and because of the way that things worked out with some races being canceled altogether, um, others being run with no spectators whatsoever, um, uh, Yeomans notes that most races paid little or no uh, promotion fees um, just because they were trying to put a season together, uh, just cobble something together at, you know, period. Um, and additionally, um, even though um, the percentage of revenue uh, from the broadcast um, part increased uh, as opposed to previous years, that was still down. Um, and in their report, Liberty Media, the owner of Formula One, stated that, um, and I'll, I'll quote directly from the article in the report, broadcast revenue decreased as the altered schedule triggered lower fees pursuant to the contractual terms of certain broadcast agreements, as well as other one-time contract negotiations that took place in 2020. So um, with that in mind, it'll be interesting to me to see how these things kind of play out in 2021. Um, you know, are the, will they be able to um, put enough, uh, you know, uh, allow enough spectators to actually come to the race uh, such that they're able to meet contractual obligations for um, promotion fees and for uh, the broadcast uh, part of things. Um, and um, you know, um, title sponsorship as well. That was another thing that was noted in here. Um, so, um, so those will be interesting things to see. Now, obviously, as we go further and further into the year, um, and as more and more people get vaccinated, and hopefully, you know, the entire pandemic um, reduces in its breadth and severity globally, um, 
we'll start to see, um, you know, more people able to actually go to the, uh, to the Formula One races. And there's, they're going to have many of them this year. They've got a 23 race schedule this year. They're trying to get as, as many places as they can um, and have the cars on track as, as often as they can. Um, because as we have seen from past years, when the cars are on the track and people are at the, um, are people are watching trackside, spectating trackside and watching on TV, um, you know, this series can make money. It can be profitable. So, um, it's worth noting that, um, you know, also that, uh, the Liberty media, uh, chief officer, a gentleman named Greg Maffei, uh, said that the balance sheet looks good. Um, and the, the operating levels they have in the agreements, uh, fine quote unquote. Um, so their, their goal now is, and I quote, bring 2021 back to normal. So we'll see what happens. Um, but they certainly have done their best to try and limit the losses in 2020 and make 2021 um, a profitable year again. Yeah, I, I definitely, you know, I, I definitely think they're, they're trying to do that. And I, I'm glad that, you know, Formula One, you know, has taken initiative. And I'm glad they came out and, and said what they, what they lost. We don't, we, we haven't heard, we haven't heard that in NASCAR. We haven't heard it in any other series. I mean, we, we've heard it with local tracks, Um who've lost, you know, probably a, a few things, you know, they, they've come out and said a few things. Um, Ryan, what's your thoughts? This may sound a touch on the callous side, so I do apologize in advance, but I really expected that number to be considerably higher, even with getting the seven races at the end of the season and when it's a normal five race schedule. But you can't be all that surprised to hear it with all the you know, restrictions and precautions that were put in place to, you know, protect racers and teams and obviously the Formula One personnel themselves. I really hope that they can strongly bounce back this season have, like they're hoping for, get as many spectators in the fans as each country will allow and turn out the profit that'll keep them functional. It would be a tragedy to see anything happen to any of these racing organizations because of that. Well, another thing to think about, and that's a, um, those are all good points, Brian. Um, something else to think about as well is um, Formula One, or at least uh, the Formula One group, um, is actually a, a, a tradable, um, uh, it's, uh, it's a, a tradable stock um, on the, the stock exchange. That's why why you you can see these filings. Yep. And when you look at their uh, stock price right now, um, they are coming back to very close to what they were um, at the beginning of 2020 before all of this happened. Um, They were uh, knocking on the door of $50 a share um, before plummeting um, briefly to under $20 a share. Um, but now they're, uh, they've come back. They're sitting, I think, at uh, $46 and change, according to Yahoo Finance. So, um, you know, the, uh, the price suggests that they're at a point where, um, you know, the uh, people believe that they are coming back and they're, they're going to have a, a profitable year this year. So I think that's another um, telling indicator of where uh, Formula One is, where it's going to be, and you know what other people um, think of those two things as well. Uh, in the stock exchange, if they need that shot in the arm, just contact those guys on Reddit. If they could do it for GameStop, they can do it for them. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, big, um, I was going to offer this too uh, for discussion. Um, another thing that Formula One has going for it, and we've talked about this in recent episodes too is their broadcast situation is pretty solid right now, as opposed to other um, motorsports sanctioning bodies. Uh, They're signed up with ESPN um, and 
uh, uh, David, you noted this before uh, as well, that uh, ESPN signed a seven-year deal with the National Hockey League. Um, yeah, that's... Th- this week, which is huge. And um, it's, and actually I've, I've heard some more out of this, the, the details, um, listening to the sports show out of Buffalo, New York, the on WGR 550. Um, you know, I, I say Howard and Jeremy, I like to listen to them. Um, it's, it, it's amazing that, um, you know, they were talking about it and, you know, with NBC sports going away and, and the deal uh, that they, there's, was up in the air with the NHL. And so with NBC, they signed seven year deal with ESPN and it's going to be streaming services. So NHL TV TV is going to go to ES essentially if you have ESPN plus or you sign up for it. So if you get it through the Disney plus package with Hulu ESPN plus, or if you just individually have it, they're going to bring NHL.TV over for free. So formula one has a F one has a TV that you, they have their own streaming platform. Do you, you know, it makes me wonder if they'll kind of bring it over. Yeah. Or if they'll um, kind of like uh, uh, cross advertise or cross promote it with, with, uh, with ESPN. But Um, I think you're going to, but you got to remember, you also got sky sports. So I I, I think you got to see where that goes. Um, But I know sky sports is essentially the, international ESPN <laughs> if um so I I think you gotta see where that goes and um yeah we'll, we'll definitely see how that deal plays out um with uh, with that um but yeah I mean if they could bring something over maybe a even a reduced price maybe you package it um yep. but I mean that's something Liberty Media's got, you know, you know, it, it's going to have to figure out. And I, I know I'm looking at their stocks now on MarketWatch. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, um, they're, their numbers look good. Their beta ratio looks good. Um, I just want to check that beta ratio really quick. So if you guys got a couple more thoughts while I'm looking at that, I got to pull some finance stuff out of my head here. Yep. I'll offer one more thought here um, about the, um, about the broadcast part of things. Um, So I think it's really, uh, there's, I think potentially some, uh, some real upside of ESPN getting uh, this NHL deal. Um, so you've got uh, a, a lot of uh, NHL interest in some of these key markets where Formula One is trying to either keep what they have for their events or try to build on it. Um, obviously, Canada, um, Montreal, the Canadians, um, you know, that, that speaks to itself. Um, and that's always a, um, a big race for Formula One. But they're also trying to keep what they have um, in the circuit of the America race at um, outside of Austin, Texas, Um, according to uh, CNBC, Jabari Young, uh, that agreement uh, expires at the end of 2021. So they are very much trying to um, get an agreement hammered out for 2022 and beyond. Um, There's also, um, according to Young's article, uh, some rumors of maybe trying to um, rekindle something with uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway now that Roger Penske owns it. Um, so, uh, and then there was also talk about maybe something in Miami also. Um, but um, uh, Austin, you've got uh, the Dallas Stars right there. Um, yeah. And uh, Indy, you've got the um, Detroit Red Wings right, right up the way. Got the Columbus Blue Jackets well, right there. It- 
you also have a um, a minor league team hockey team right in Indianapolis too. That is true as well. So, so there's there's definitely some cross promotion potential um, that would be um, beneficial for all the parties involved for NHL, for Formula One, and for ESPN too. Um, and you know, as as uh, I think there's. Uh, you know, it's, it's public knowledge that, you know, ESPN hasn't been doing very well in recent years and uh, is looking to turn their fortunes around. Well, when they lost the NHL, they stopped showing hockey highlights. So it's, I mean, it, it's, it, it, I mean, it got really good feedback. I, it, it makes me wonder, and, and this is for a topic down the road, and maybe we can get a guest on to, maybe dive into this a little bit more, but IndyCar, um, you know, you know, with the whole NBC sports deal, we covered a few weeks ago, what happens with IndyCar and, you know, maybe this might be a break that IndyCar might go over. Maybe NASCAR might say, Hey, you know, ESPN just brought over a streaming platform for free. You know, maybe we, you know, in a deal. So maybe, you know, that's something, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see with um, formula one, what they do to um, build on this down the road um, there. I, I, I was looking at the beta coefficient. Uh, they, their stock is the um, it, it's a me- the beta is the measure of how volatile their stock is, and their stock is um, a little more volatile because it's a one point one four. I mean, one's like par, and below one the stock is less volatile. So it, it's a riskier stock, but more potential return. So that's probably a, a good sign for them um, that I, I'd be very concerned after this if it was a low potential. And I am, um, I kind of want to go back a month and see where they were February 20. So let's say their filing came out the Fifth, uh, let's see, it came out the Friday before the 26th, so we are looking at the 19th, so let's see here, where were we on the 19th? They were going up after that, then they had the drop, so like when the news came out was when the stock dropped a little bit, and then it's rebounded, so... I taking a guess with that and, and taking a, a you know a page back from my finance class, I think that's pretty good. I'd be more concerned if that beta if it was less volatile right now, um, which means that you know there's less risk, but you're getting less returns. So that's pretty good that they're getting good returns even after that news. So I, I think they're in good, I, I think right now they're, they're in good shape, but let's um, see how the cap does because of the potential that if you go over that cap, the penalties that come from it, that could hurt a team. Um, and let's see how the Concord agreement plays through this in the next couple, you know, in the next few years. Indeed. Uh, Ryan, your thoughts? Well, to go back to your point, Elliot, I think the acquisition of Formula One by ESPN, not Formula One, NHL by ESPN is a platform that a lot of other sports, not to mention the motorsports industry, can build off of, especially if it's shown to be successful. Like any new exposure that they can get to open themselves up to the new fan bases would do nothing but be beneficial to all motorsports at large. So I really hope that we see some successes with that down the future and can be built on to, you know, give some new life into the sports. 
I, I, I agree. I, I definitely agree. I'd like to see that. I, I think if they can, um, you know, work a way to get that F1 TV over there to ESPN Plus, I mean, they, they need to take a look and see that NHL deal and, and find a way to craft it more that gets you more promotion in the U.S., I mean, there is a there is a good F one fan base in the United States. Um, that drive to survive on Netflix is gaining F one fans. So they 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 definitely did it there. They just what they need to do now is capitalize on that. And I I like the idea of more races in the U S. Um, if Austin can't work. Go go to Indy. Uh, not sure about Miami. Um, maybe they could do Long Beach um, is an idea, or bring it back to Watkins Glen, um, which would be really big for New York State right now um, in their economy. So, yeah, I, I, I think it, I think it's going to be interesting. But let's see how the season starts. Because um, you mentioned it, Elliot, we do have the pandemic going on. I mean, more people are getting vaccinated, but some of these European countries like Italy and Germany um, are starting to see increases of cases. So, you know, we, we may be in another big issue again with formula one, they, they may be losing races. Um, so it, it's kind of like this wait and see and, and maybe pray a little that things go right for them. Indeed. Um, certainly a lot to, uh, to watch. Um, and just see where things lead in 2021. Um, you know, and that's true of uh, Formula One and a lot of other people too, but um, they are um, definitely looking for a, a rebound this year. Um, I think the schedule kind of speaks to that. Um, you know, the, uh, um, the, all of the races that they have planned. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll see where things go. But uh, David, I think it's time to, uh, get the uh, get the car back in the hauler and get on out to the racetrack and get ready to take the green. What do you say? Most certainly. Let's load up the car and head to the track. We've got a word for, from our, our sponsor. Ryan, take it away. This is from Checker to Green. The From Checker to Green podcast will be right back. Looking to improve your business identity to stand head and shoulders above your competitors? Consider Samurai Graphics. Samurai Graphics has all the business design knowledge and resources to help you come up with a new identity and be able to stand out to your customers. From logo design, business cards, letterheads, all the things that you need to revamp and revitalize your business. For more information, contact Samurai Graphics at samuraigraphics716 at gmail.com. Samurai Graphics, your business design solution. And now we're back with the From Checkered to Green podcast. Thank you, Ryan. The green flag is out, and we're looking forward to another week of racing. Starting with this coming weekend in Phoenix, um, the uh, all the NASCAR big NASCAR series are in uh, in Phoenix for the the race weekend out there, um, and the starting lineup has been released for the the Cup race. Brad Keselowski on the pole, last week's winner Kyle Larson uh, rolling off second. Um, all four of the Gibbs guys um, rolling off third, fourth, fifth, and seventh respectively. Chase Elliott. Um, up there in position number six, we know he's going to be a solid threat, uh, for the win. Um, JTG Doherty, um, has both of their cars, uh, in the top 15. 
Stenhouse 11th, Ryan Priest 15th, Eric Jones on the uh, the back of his top 10 last weekend in Vegas rolls off 14th, Kevin Harvick 18th, Matt Benedetto enjoying his best starting um, best start of the season at uh, 20th, and uh, Eric Almirola uh, now riding the struggle bus uh, starting 32nd uh, this coming weekend. Gentlemen, your thoughts on the uh, the coming re- race weekend in Phoenix? I. I think it's going to be a, a good race weekend. Phoenix always brings awesome racing, very action-packed, especially when now that they redid the track a couple of years ago, and now you've got the you know the the start finish line right near that dog leg, and you know they shifted the turns around and you know did the upgrades so. Really good racing. I love the use of the dog leg. You know, they get down low to try and make the passes. Um, you know, I, I think we're we're gonna have a good Xfinity race weekend, a good Cup race weekend. I know Elliot, um, you were mentioning about the weather. So, um, you know, if there's some rain in the area, you know, we'll we'll kind of see if um, you know if that plays a factor. Yeah, I think that's just going to be for um, uh, for today, uh, okay. Friday. Um, so we're we're recording this on uh, Friday the twelfth, um, but Saturday and Sunday actually look um, uh, uh, well. Saturday is going to progressively improve during the course of the day. Uh, the Xfinity race should be okay. Can't rule out a stray shower there, but Sunday looks very nice. So so with it, I mean so. Worst case scenario, they got lights. If they, you know, Saturday, if a stray shower comes in, they're going to run under the lights. So, yeah, I think it's definitely going to be some good racing out in Phoenix this weekend. I'm excited. I I love Phoenix. It's one of my favorite tracks. So, I'm looking for this good racing here. Ryan? Oh, I'm looking forward to Phoenix as well. It's always been a fun track to watch. Now, I know normally we like to throw out a prediction, you know, to see who we think is going to take the race. But I think the last four cup races have shown that I don't know if we want to try to risk that for this race. You've seen a lot of different people showing up to win races. So I I think this quite literally anyone could take the checkered flag. Uh, Ellie, you said best it's wide open. So I think I mean, I, I don't know. If I was a Ben man, I'd be broke right now because I think it's going to be anyone, anyone's race. Yep. Uh, you definitely got some, uh, you know, some heavy hitters starting up front. Uh, we know Keselowski runs w- really well here. Harvick. Um, Harvick. Um, well, Harvick rolls off 18th, so he's got a little bit of work to do to uh, to get up front. Uh, but we know that um, uh, if they got that thing set up right, he'll be a force. Um, Logano's pretty good here. Um, Kyle Bush is as well, and Chase Elliott. Um, I mean, he's he's kind of taken over, um, you know, Kevin Harvick's uh, throne at this track. And so I think um, if anybody's going to win, they're going to have to go through that nine car. And we all know that nine car is not going to give an inch. Nope. Yeah, it, and it'd be interesting, it, it, you know. Hendrick, you know, cracks three in a row and, you know, then you're going into Atlanta. I mean, yep. it's, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see. Um, I, I'd like to see how McDowell does at this race. I, I'd like to see how he does. Indeed. I think this is, this is his home track. Is it not? Uh, I think he's from I Arizona. So, yep. I mean, if he does well, hey, you know, that's going to be really good. Um, You know, it's, yeah, that's my thing is Cal Bush keeps complaining about things over and over and over, but he's starting to put things together. So we'll we'll see how Kyle Bush does. Um, You know, I, you know, I, like to see how you know it, it, it you know it seems like 
the you know a lot of the PSV races, the Gibbs cars, um, you know, start off well and, and then do bad, or they start off bad and, and come near the end. So, you know, I, I think you're right. It's all about setup. You don't have practice. You don't have qualifying. You're using this metric system. You got the choose cone. So yep. that's going to be, makes it more interesting. Yep. Um, you know, but that's not the only racing action that's happening this weekend. Nope. Uh, we got the, uh, the NHRA Gator Nationals. They're kicking off the NHRA season down in Florida. David, tell us some more about that. Yeah. Straight line racing back and, Gator Nationals first event this year. It's actually, is it the fit? You know, I thought it was the 50th annual. I, I could be wrong. I, I think it's, um, they, they've been doing uh, some big promotions about it, but yes, qualifying kicked off today as we uh, talked about it. Um, they're going through the weekend. Qualifying today, qualifying session Sunday. It's going to be on um, FS1. If you're actually looking for the TV schedule, uh, there's actually Saturday qualifying um, for the Camping World Series is from 3 to 5. Then they're going to show Sunday qualifying 11 to 2. The finals are on Fox from 12 to 3. So if you want to get your motorsports in this weekend, just watch Fox, watch some good straight line racing, and then you're at, um, and then you've got the Cup Series after. They're in Gaines, uh, the Gator Nationals is at Gainesville Raceway in Florida. Um, and I was actually looking at the competitors beforehand in top field dragster. They've got a full field, um, you know, your favorites, Clay Milken, Doug Coletta, Anton Brown are in there. Uh, force racing returns. Brittany force is going to run. You got John for force returning back to uh, top field. So I think I'm going to actually have to um, maybe do some listening, um, put the TV on my phone and, you know, if I'm, and do some listening this weekend for it. But yeah, NHRA back at 70, actually, I do apologize, big event. It's actually the 70th year for the NHRA, so they're kicking off their 70th season in Gainesville. So should be some good racing. Uh, guys, quick thoughts about this. I got to tell you, it's good to have the NHRA back. I'm a big fan of straight line racing. It's always been near and dear to my heart. And fun fact, this is the first time in the NHRA 70 year history that they kicked off their season with the Gator Nationals. So they definitely wanted to start out strong this year and hopefully have that continue throughout the season. Yeah, they're usually in Panoma, I thought. Usually they start off in California, and, and this year they took it to, to Gainesville. So, yeah. Brian, or Elliot, your thoughts? Uh, I think it's going to be a, a fun event. Uh, they're already starting to get qualifying underway. And uh, we're seeing some, uh, some big speeds, some big numbers, um, up over 320 miles an hour. Um, it's uh, good old-fashioned NHRA race, and just we like it. And uh, it's good to see everybody back. Uh, it's good to see the force teams back. Um, and, you know, just like we talked about Formula One, you know, they're looking uh, for a big rebound. Uh, so is NHRA, so are a lot of these teams, too. Um, you know, uh, John Force kind of talked about um, – uh, why he sat out and it had to do with uh, had to, had a lot to do with uh, with dollars and cents. So um, that might be something we might uh, touch on a little bit more um, in one of the coming episodes. But uh, but definitely good to see everybody back. And uh, yeah, it looks like they're already they're wasting no time getting after it. 
Definitely indeed. So, gentlemen, it's been a, a, a really good episode, but we've got, you know, the green flags out. We've got some final thoughts. Elliot, take it away. Yes, sir. Um, so here in recent episodes, uh, we've uh, kind of touched on this periodically, and that is um, uh, some of the um, uh, some of the events uh, that are kind of uh, are created organically here uh, from uh, the racing community and interest um, of some different sim racing events. And here over the last couple of months, um, there's been a um, uh, almost a uh, chili bowl type thing going on uh, within the sim racing community called the Carnomaly 500. And this was a, um, a sim race that was, uh, or a sim, uh, a sim racing event that was put on um, and organized by a couple of uh, well-known real world NASCAR stars, uh, Landon Castle and Parker Kligerman. Um, and um, it actually featured a, a, a prize pool and a health uh, and a healthy uh, prize to the winner, $3,000. Um, so there were a lot of, um, there was a lot of interest and a lot of entrance as you might imagine. Um, so according to uh, their website, they had, I believe, 496 drivers uh, that comprised their uh, driver pool that they uh, ran across eight different uh, preliminary races, the top 11 of each uh, advanced on to single car qualifying, um, which then translated into um, a couple of dual races uh, and then uh, from there into the main event, um, the Car Anomaly 500. Uh, but what was interesting about these preliminary races was they had uh, 62 cars in each. Now, I want you to think about this. This was Daytona in an unrestricted cup car, okay? Um, fixed setup, um, and you have 62 cars out there at once. Um, it's like almost like throwing it back to the 1950s, but with, you know, 2021 equipment. So um, I thought that was, uh, that was uh, pretty, uh, uh, pretty notable to say the least. Um, but I think it's really cool that, and I wanted to bring it up here that, um, you know, it's good to see uh, the attention and interest in sim racing um, kind of uh, carry its momentum over from 2020 into 2021. And that you have a lot of, um, you know, big names within uh, the NASCAR community and, you know, the, the racing community in general that, um, you know, are, are keeping, you know, uh, are holding on to the flag and running with it and, uh, and building this aspect of um, the, the motorsports industry as well. Sim racing has, has demonstrated, I think esports in general is, that uh, they're a force to be reckoned with. And uh, it's, it's a great thing that, um, uh, that it's, it's uh, you know, still making waves and doing big things like this. And here's to a lot more of it happening this year. I, I definitely like it. I, I'm glad that they did it. And it's, you know, it, you, you gave me that thought about the 62 cars and, um, I got a, a second thought to that, but I, I like it. You know, it, it's a way to get people interacted. It's the way you get racing fans in, get people into it. You know, you have these fancy, you know, you have these DraftKings leagues that, you know, these fancy leagues out there, fancy sports where people are betting, making money, gambling, but you're also, you know, but for auto racing, you've got sim racing for people to get involved. And the whole esports, it, it's really good. Um, I know IndyCar just announced they're going to have a three race in uh, IndyCar series in March um, to kick off their season um, at sim racing wise. 
Montreal, Miami Homestead, and then a fan vote. So, you know, I, I'm glad they're doing it. I'd like to see more of this, to be honest. Um, one idea, I mean, Elliot, you said 62 cars for the preliminary races. Um, I, I, it goes back to me. I saw foes online. Uh, Holland Speedway used to do enduro races on a small track, a very tight bull ring, and they had like three wide start of like 60 plus cars. Um, I'd like to see that in sim racing a good slobber knocker race for some money out there. Um, but yeah, I, um, I, I like it. I definitely like it. It, Good things to come from that. Indeed. Ryan. I think this particular event alone illustrates, you know, it's how wonderfully creative that e-racing can be when, put in the hands of the capable individuals that can come up with stuff like this. This is the sort of thing I'd like to see more often from them. Not only the large starting fields, but the opportunity to get, you know, some other fun tracks in there and perhaps, you know, throw wrinkles in here. there. not just use, you know, NASCAR vehicles, but, you know, bring some vehicles in from the other racing industry, like say, run a race at Talladega with uh, Indy cars. Now, wouldn't that be a thought? (laughs) Oh, that would be awesome. But it's this kind of format that allows you to be able to try things with that level of creativity. And I think this is the sort of thing that could take off, and I'd love it if it did. So how about a run what you brung type event? You see them happen at local tracks. How about a sim racing event? Uh, actually, Dinner with Racers was, was doing that. Different groups. I mean, heck, put a bunch of different cars out there on a track and let them have it. And just like that, I'm sold. <laughs> All right, let's put the team together, gentlemen. It's like, Internet, you know where you're always listening to <laughs> us anyway. Get it to the right people. Make it happen. There we go. And on, on that note, the green flag is out. And it's time for us to go racing too. And in this case, I think quite literally. Uh, (laughs) So with that, uh, this has been From Checker to Green. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I am Elliot Tardif. Thanks very much. We'll see you in the next episode. I'm David Moy. Thank you for listening. Give us some reviews. Subscribe to our podcast. Tell us how we're doing. See you next episode. This is Ryan Kolpak. We appreciate all of you who listen to us. We look forward to providing more entertainment for you. We'll see you on the next round. Thanks for listening to the Checkered to Green podcast. For more information, check out our Facebook group, Checkered to Green podcast. Tune in next time for more insight into the racing business with the Checkered to Green podcast.